It is 1 Samuel chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, that I would leave with you tonight. Then said Samuel to the people, Come, and let us go to Gilgal, and renew the kingdom there. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. A special meeting. That's what we have here before us tonight in this portion that we read. A special meeting and a special call has gone out to come to it. A very great and a very solemn assembly of Israel. Verses 14 to 15 that we read, but continuing on to the end of chapter 12. Chapter 12 is the continuation of the meeting. It's not a political meeting. It's not a military meeting. It's a spiritual meeting. It's a meeting, verse 15, before the Lord in Gilgal. Peace offerings before the Lord. So this is emphasized that it is a meeting before the Lord. Now the end of chapter 11 is the call to the meeting. And then chapter 12 is Samuel's exhortation at the meeting and to the people there. And the key theme of his exhortation might be summarized there, verse 24, as it comes to an end. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. So he's encouraging the people in this great exhortation in chapter 12. So we have a special sermon at a special meeting. But this is an unusual meeting. Certainly in one respect, it's unusual because the Lord breaks into it. He mightily breaks into it. Now the Lord comes to all the meetings. We trust and we believe. But there's a marvelous breaking in of God into this meeting. You see there in verse 18 of chapter 12, Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord. And Samuel, so that there was this mighty intervention of God and answered a prayer. The place is shaken and all the people are shaken and there's great fear comes into their hearts. So it's a mighty meeting. The divine visitation in the midst of the meeting. And that's what we need, isn't it? Meetings like that where the Lord breaks into them and the fear of God comes upon us mightily. So that's what we have. A marvellous meeting into which God breaks in. We're reminded here of the importance of meetings. The importance of God's people coming together. The importance of assemblies. God's people getting together. God's people having meetings. Special meetings before the Lord. That's biblical. And it's a thing that God blesses. Meeting before God. Meeting to worship God. Meeting as a congregation to especially hear his word 
as it is delivered by the mouth of his servant. Meetings to have fellowship. To have fellowship with one another, but especially to renew fellowship with the Lord. Isn't it good to come to the meeting and to renew fellowship with God? That's what's happening here. They're renewing fellowship with God, the congregation of Israel. They're having communion with him. They're at the table with him. And they're receiving the word of God from him. And the challenge. And that's what Samuel gives them. He, he gives them a challenge from the word of God. He doesn't give them some boring stuff. But no, he gets to their heart. And he gives them a great challenge from the word of God. That, that convicts them. That puts a fear of God in them. And as well as that encourages them to follow on to know the Lord. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I'm sure there's people here, they're glad whenever they went to the meeting that day. I'm sure they're glad they didn't miss it. I'm sure they were glad that they didn't forsake the assembling of the meeting on that occasion when the Lord broke in. You could miss it by not assembling, by being negligent. The Lord could break into any meeting. But if we're being negligent, we could miss that. We shouldn't miss any meetings that are called, but we certainly don't want to miss the meeting into which the Lord might break in on an occasion. Now concerning this meeting, this special meeting, there are five things. There's first of all the call and the invitation to it by Samuel, come and let us go. And then secondly, there is the place of it to Gilgal. And then there is the purpose of it. And renew the kingdom there. In that place. And then there is the response to that call. All the people went to Gilgal. And there they made Saul king before the Lord. In Gilgal. And so on. And then the preaching at it. Which is practically the whole of chapter 12. First of all then, the call and the invitation to the meeting by Samuel the prophet. Verse 14, Samuel said to the people, Come and let us go to Gilgal. Now there are two things that we have to keep in mind here as we think about this call, this invitation. First of all, the, the context of the call. The, the call doesn't come out of a vacuum. There's a context and we have to keep that in mind. And then secondly, and most interesting of all, the words that Samuel uses. Come and let us. Come and let us. Now first of all then, the context of the call. Now, this call comes after a great deliverance. Jabesh Gilead has been saved. Nahash, the, the serpent, that's what his name means. He's been destroyed. He's been overcome. The anointed one has defeated him. The Messiah, Saul, the anointed king, he has trodden upon his head. He's defeated the serpent. He's delivered and saved the, the people of God in Jabesh Gilead. And this is a deliverance that has come by the hand of God. That's the context. The Lord has intervened. The nation's on a high now. And Samuel, 
He senses the mood. He senses this is a good time to hit the metal when it's hot upon the anvil. The nation is moved now. The nation is on fire. The nation has seen the hand of God. It's a good time to get them together. It's a good time to have a meeting. It's a good time to address them with the word of God. The Lord has begun to work. And Samuel sees it and feels it. And he wants to bring the word of God to them. And so verse 12. The people said to Samuel. Who's he that said shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. That's what they want to do. Some people want to put these men of Belial to death. Because they didn't believe in Saul the king. They were against Saul the king. And now Saul has delivered them. And the people want these people put to death. But then Saul he intervenes and says. There will not be a man put to death this day. This is not a day of death. This is a day of life. This is a day of salvation. There will not be an Israelite day today. The Lord has saved us. He's given us life. And Saul acknowledges God. That's the thing. He doesn't promote himself. He doesn't say anything about I or me or myself. He says the Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel. And then Samuel said. You see that? Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal. The Lord's doing something among us. The Lord has visited us. Even Saul acknowledges it. And Saul did acknowledge it, and he was sincere when he said it. He knew it was the Spirit of God came upon him. He knew the Spirit of the Lord infilled him. He knew that he'd been a changed man by the Spirit of God's intervention. And he knew that he went there in the power of the Spirit. It was the Lord that done it. The Lord intervened. And all the people see it. And they're recognizing God did it. God has visited his people. And they're, they're saying, they're no doubt saying things like, Blessed be the Lord, because he's visited his people Israel. And that's what the church needs today. Oh, it's easy to have great meetings when the Lord visits Israel. When the Lord's begun to work, when there's been a move, we tend to work the other way around. We try to get meetings to try to create a move, to get a move. But no special meetings come out of a move. When the Lord moves, when the Lord works deliverance, when there's a great intervention of God, and people know there's something about, there's something in the air, there's a revival, there's a move, there's a reforming movement by God. And then it's easy to call special meetings. That's the time to call special meetings. In actual fact. Special meetings are often just a dismal failure. They're just man-made. They're just man trying to create something. We need the Lord to visit us. And then special meetings will grow and multiply out of that. So only God can turn the situation around. Only God can give an intervention. And that's what's happening here. And Samuel recognizes it. And he recognizes that, that God has to be acknowledged. That we have to humble our hearts before God. That we have to go and have dealings now with this God in sincerity and truth. In a very special meeting. We're going to have to renew covenant with him. We're going to have to renew our relationship with him. We're going to have to repent before him. And we're going to have to give him thanks. And so he has to be acknowledged. And this is what this is about. And so the people are melted. And there's a change. And Samuel, as I say, he, he senses that. 
I'll call them back to God now at a special meeting. And so he, he does that. And really this meeting is just about acknowledging the Lord. It's not about promoting the king. If you read Samuel's exhortation, you'll see that. It's not about promoting the king. It's about the whole nation getting right with God. Getting back to the Lord. It's about renewal. The renewal of the covenant. At times whenever great men of God, leaders, especially when they're getting old, they're called to have special assemblies to urge the people to turn to God afresh and to renew their covenant with him. The covenanters did that, for example, in Scotland. That they were people for having special assemblies, special covenanting assemblies, where the people would be called to covenant with God again, and to have a closer walk with the Lord, and to, to promise to stand against the errors of the day and the darkness of the day and against the popery and prelacy and all of this and that and to covenant with God and to be faithful to the Lord and, and to make vow before God that will be faithful. The, the covenanters were great men at doing that. Acknowledging the crown of Jesus, the crown rights of King Jesus, our King, our anointed Messiah, the one in our midst, the one that we look to, the one that we trust and gathering around him and having a, a special assembly as they stand up for the crown rights of King Jesus in the land and covenant together. So, so our forefathers knew something about this. And you remember Moses, as he grew old and he was about to die soon, he held a great assembly in the plains of Moab and he addressed the people of God and, and practically the whole book of Deuteronomy is, is about that. And then Joshua, he did something similar. Whenever he was old in Joshua 24, he, he addressed the people and he told them to serve God, to go on serving the Lord. And so he had a special assembly and a time to do that. And now, Samuel, I'm old, I'm grey-headed. Uh, there's a change in the wind, just like there was a change for Joshua going into the time of the judges. Now there's a change in the wind going into the times of the kings. And there's a great assembly, like Shechem and like the plains of Moab, but now at Gilgal, a great assembly to tell the people and their king to serve God. That's the context of all of this. It's a convenient time to have a special meeting because of all of this in, in context. But not only the context, notice also the words that the prophet uses. He says, come and let us go. Let us go. The words of invitation. I've reflected upon these, and well, I suppose we just would run on and pass by through quickly, but I, I, I felt that I couldn't do that, these words. Samuel doesn't just say, go. Go to Gilgal. He doesn't even just say, let us go to Gilgal. He says, come. Come. Whenever you hear a, a come from a man of God or a come from the Lord, you prick your ears up. You still your heart. Because that's an invitation. That is from the heart. That's an invitation that's from the Lord. That's an invitation that echoes the gospel. That echoes the marvelous grace of God. Come. Come. And let us go. It's warm. The invitation. It includes himself. He doesn't just say use people go. But he says no come. Come with me and let, let us go. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to go before you, but, but come come with me. 
as we all go to the Lord, as we all go to the meeting. And so th- these, th- these are gospel words. There, there's echoes here that get our attention and we have to listen. This echoes the call of God himself to his people to get out to the meeting, to come. Come and let us go, the Lord says. The Lord wants to take you to the meeting. The Lord wants to bring you out to the meeting. And by the mouth of his servant, he gives the invitation out. Come, come let us go. Don't be staying at home. Don't be negligent. Don't, don't be slothful. Don't miss out on the blessing. Just, just come. Come and let us go. You, you know that come is one of the most favorite words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He just simply loved that word. He used that word all the time. Come, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You will not come to me that ye might have life. If any man thirst, let him come. Come. And so he, he invited sinners. And that was not cold invitation. It wasn't from a frosty lips, but it was from a warm and glowing heart. He never said go first. He always said come first. And then he said go. That's just the way the Lord is. You can study that yourself. The come is always before the go. And here Samuel's using it, using it like that. Come, and we'll go. You can't go before you come. You have to come. You have to come to the Lord first. You have to come to have the desire. You have to come that you want to to be with the Lord. And then with the Lord you go. You go with the Lord to the meeting. You don't just go to the meeting to find the Lord, but you go with the Lord to the meeting. So the Holy Spirit is speaking through Samuel. It's the Lord that calls us to the meeting. The invitation is from the Lord. You probably have your own experience of how important this invitation is in your own life. Can you even think of the day when someone said it to you? Come, let us go. It changed your whole life. I had a friend at school and he said that to me. He says, come, let's go to the Free Presbyterian class. And I came. I went with him to the Free Presbyterian class. And you know what? He didn't get saved. But I did. The Lord opened my eyes. It was transforming. That invitation sat us out on a change. Someone said, come and let us go. Maybe they said the same to you. Maybe they come to the door. Or, or maybe it was a family member, a loved woman. And just in the warmness of their heart, they said, come, come, let us go to the meeting. Come with us. And it was a change. You know, many have found Christ because someone said this to them. Come, let us go. It was by this invitation that, that Saul found Samuel. Because you remember his servant? They were looking the donkeys and Saul's about to go home. And, and then what did the servant say? Come, let us go to the seer. It was that word that won Saul. It was that word that brought Saul to the seer. And you remember the response of Saul to that. He says, well said. Come. Let us go. He echoed it back. That's what the Lord wants. The Lord wants you to echo it back. As the servant said to Saul, come let us go. Saul said, well said. Come. Let us go. And now God is saying, by Samuel, come, let us go. And he wants all the people to echo back to him. Yes, come, let us go, let us go.
Do you say back to the Lord, come, let us go? We should have a spirit that wants to be out at the meetings. How many blessings are known and experienced because people have responded to this invitation? How many have been saved because they've had an invitation like this? How many have been revived because they had an invitation like this? How many have been brought out of the apostasy into a faithful church because of an invitation like this? How many have been brought out of darkness? How many backsliders have been restored because there was some child of God who had the kind heart just to say, come and let us go. Let us go to Gilgal. So this is a great evangelistic tool with your family. Don't just say go. You should go with them too. Come. Let us go. Come with me. Go with me to the house of God. Let us go. I know multitudes get that invite even today and there's very little response. But it wasn't so here. Oh, this is the kind of day and hour where God is moving and, and there's this invitation and there's a great response. All Israel, all Israel went, it says. And what they heard and what they saw, they were never the same. You can study this in the Bible. Come and let us go. It's frequent. Nehemiah said, come, let us build. Let us build the wall of Jerusalem. And you find it in the Psalms. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Oh, come, oh, come and let us worship. You see how all the people of God echo back this invitation? And they say to themselves in response to, oh, come, let us, let us. This was ingrained in their hearts. It should be ingrained in our hearts. There's no excuse for missing meetings. The Lord is always saying, come, come let us go. Let us go. Hear that every time. There's a call to the meeting. Many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Do you see it? It's a prophecy. Many people are going to say this. This is going to be the talk of the people of God in the New Testament era under the New Covenant after the Lord comes among His people. There are many that are going to say and they're going to talk like this. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And that's not Jerusalem. That's the right hand of God. That's the heavenly Zion to where every believer goes according to Hebrews chapter 12. The heavenly Zion. That's the mountain we go to. Isaiah's being fulfilled in this language. Come, let us go. Let us go to the Lord. Let us go to the right hand. Let us go to the heavenly Zion. Let us go to the blood of sprinkling. Let us go to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is seated in the power of glory. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Remember how Hosea said, come and let us return unto the Lord. It's everywhere in the Bible. It struck me how frequent it is. How often it is. How it's the language of the saints. Who love the meetings. Who love the place where God's honour is. Who love the house of God. Who love the Zion. Come. Let us go. So endeavour to invite sinners and saints to the meetings. Let this be your best evangelistic tool from your heart. Just come and let us go. Can't you say that to your family? 
Can't you say that to your loved ones? Can't you say that to those who are near and dear upon your heart? Just let them see your earnestness. Just let them see your sincerity. Come, come and let us go. Let us go. Remember, even the Lord himself takes this word together. As I said, he takes this word on his lips. You remember how he said, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. The Lord takes up the language. The call and the invitation, let us go, let us go. But the second thing is the place to where the call invites them. You see, there is a place for a meeting. You can't have a meeting without a place. There has to be a there. A place and space and time, a location for the people of God to meet, to come together. The Bible doesn't know anything about Zoom, about the, you know, the, the ether or whatever. No. Space and time. Locality. Coming together. That's how the Spirit works. Who indwells his people in the same location, in the same locality. We're not lovers of meeting by Zoom or by internet or by sermon audio. It's not the same blessing. Not the same presence of God. Not the same work goes on in the heart. It's just sermon hearing. That's all it is. Just sermon hearing. There's not the action and the activity and the interaction and the warmth of a living presence who indwells his people as they come together in one locality. There's a place where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. So, so there's a place to go. And the place here is Gilgal. And that place is not without significance. You know, we love historic places. We love history and where history took place. We love in, in that area where there is the surrounding of the knowledge of the history associated with, with that place. It's a place that if it's so associated with history, it, it moves us, it, it melts us. There, there's something about places. God has made us material. He's made us time and space creatures. He wants us to identify and associate with places. Places help us to worship God. You know, people say you can worship God anywhere. And there's some truth in that. But it's not really what the Bible emphasizes. There's a place. There's always a place. There's always somewhere. Sometimes historic places. That's what Gilgal is. An historic place. It's not chosen without reason. Without thoughtfulness. I, I remember meetings where martyrs and covenanters fell. Whenever I lived in Scotland, at St Andrews in Edinburgh, on an annual meeting in the cathedral grounds at Dunkale, where the veteran covenanter, Colonel William Clellan, fell in a stand against the Jacobite uprising in 1689. Places that are moving just by their historic identity with the past. And Gilgal was chosen for that, for that identification, for that association, for that melting that comes through the remembrance of the past. It was in fact a favourite place with Samuel himself, because whenever he did his circuit around the land, 
Gilgal was the central place in that circuit. And you remember how Samuel had said to Saul at the very start, when he gave him several tokens, many of which were fulfilled that very day, he gave him another token which is now just about to be fulfilled at Gilgal, because he said, Thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offering and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you'll tarry there till I come. And so it is. it has been predicted that this meeting would take place and Saul would be there. It's a place of special memorial. Because whenever they left the wilderness and they crossed over the river Jordan, they set up camp at Gilgal. Jericho was in the horizon. They're afraid to come out. They're holed up in there on the walls. And they set up their camp. First of all, they set up a memorial of 12 stones. A great memorial is built and erected. That's where they're going back to. They're going back to the memorial. They're going back to the 12 stones. They're going back to where it all began. Where it all commenced. When the Manasseh, when the, the fairy pillar and the cloud disappeared and went away, and there they were in Gilgal. And all the people were revived. And everybody was circumcised. Because there had been no circumcision taking place in the wilderness because of un- unbelief. But now in Gilgal they were circumcised. And that's why the name got the place Gilgal. Because of a rolling away. A rolling away that takes place in the circumcision. There's a rolling away. There's an approach rolling away. And so he's bringing them back this place of the rolling away where their approach was rolled away where God at last gave them a foothold in the land of promise where it all began and they had a great pass over that day as also they set up camp after their circumcision because they could now come to the Passover table because they had been circumcised now and they were starting out the occupation of the land of promise with God renewing covenant with God starting with the Lord and there came a special visitor the captain of the Lord of hosts you remember Joshua saw him are you for us or against us he had the sword drawn they met the captain of the Lord of hosts at Gilgal that's where it all began wonderful history wonderful associations and now Samuel says let's go back there Let's go back to that place. Let's go back to those associations. Let's renew the vow. Let's begin with God again. And so this place is linked to the past, to the faithfulness of God, to his works, to his intervention, to that forefather generation that were revived, who came out of the wilderness in faith, who were circumcised, and who went out walking with God in the land of promise. Let's get back to that. We've forgotten God. We're out of touch with God. We don't know God the way our forefathers knew God in Gilgal. Let's get back to that. Back to the God of our fathers. That's a call this nation needs to hear. A call back to God. And maybe we need to bring them to some places of association to stir their hearts, to stir them up. And that's what this is about, to soften God's people. And so 
it does matter where you meet. Even our meeting place here to us, brethren and sisters, has value, doesn't it? I mean, if I said to you tomorrow, well, tomorrow you know, we'll meet in my house. Or next Sunday we'll meet in my house. Wouldn't you frown? Because this is a place. This is a place of associations. This is a place where the Lord has blessed us so many times. And some Sabbaths. This is a place where your prayers have been heard. This is a place where there's the warmth and the fire of God's Holy Spirit. You, you wouldn't want to change this place. But we even want to knock it down and change it and build another place. I don't know why some people are so keen to get new buildings. There's a, something about this place that is our spiritual home. We don't want to change it. We don't want to meet anywhere else. It has associations for us. It's our spiritual home. Our memories of blessings are here. Times when God spoke to you are here. And so it wouldn't be the same if we hired out another building. Or let's meet somewhere else. No, we are loath to leave or change the place where God has called us to meet. This place does have value to us. It's only a meeting place, but in some way, these surroundings help us. They help me to preach. I preach in other churches. I don't feel the same. I don't feel the same liberty. I don't feel the same warmth. I don't feel the same ears of the people. It's not the same. To me, this place is special. I wouldn't want to change it without the call of God. It should have value to us. I love the place, O Lord, wherein thine honour dwells. All other earthly abodes fade into insignificance. Gilgal means rolled away. That's the most important thing about meetings. There has to be a rolling away when we come to them and when we're at them. Whenever we come here to meet week by week with the Lord, brethren and sisters, we have to roll away the distractions. We have to roll away the, the sins at the cross. We have to roll away wrong attitudes that may be in our hearts. We have to roll it all away. Or maybe wrong attitudes towards one another as we come in and meet at the door. That all has to be rolled away. We, we have to forget it all and roll it all away. It's, it's not to interfere. Roll it away. The rolling away of pride. The rolling away of unbelief. The rolling away of all our sins. Gilgal. Every week Gilgal. Rolled away. So let's come to the meetings with that attitude. To roll things away. And let the Lord just roll the word before us. As he does. He'll roll the word before us. He rolled the word into our hearts. The word of the Lord let have free course and be glorified. Just, just roll it into our hearts, Lord. Make it a Gilgal. As we roll away our sins and all that interferes with your word. Lord, you roll your word into our hearts, into our lives. May you love this house. May you love the meetings. Especially those words, come and let us go. When you don't feel like going to the church. Hear the Lord just saying to you with his kind and warm heart, come, come let us go. You'll miss the blessing 
You'll miss out on something that the Lord has for you. This could be the time of divine visitation. So don't miss it. Come, let us go.